Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Mindy Hudon and Rachelle Maurer are former school SLPs turned private practitioners who live in Woodstock, Connecticut. They've been friends for a long time and have thought about starting a private practice together, and, well, they're finally doing it. In this episode, they talk about how they get started separately and their plans for growing together. In addition to talking about their friendship and partnership, this episode also explores multiple streams of income. Mindy and Rochelle have offered courses on executive functioning together in the past, which is something that they're planning to do more of in the future. Also, Mindy is a published author and shares a bit about her journey to publishing a book with Asha Press, as well as selling a tool to help children with executive functioning and time management on Etsy. If you've been thinking about starting a private practice with a friend or a colleague, or if you have an interest in teaching courses, writing books, or selling products, this is a must-listen episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. All right, so before we dive in, can you please share your names? Because we've got two people here tonight, your location and the name of your private practice. My name is Mindy Hudon. Our practice is Achieve Speech and Language Services. We are located in Woodstock, Connecticut. My name is Rochelle Maurer. I am the co-founder of Achieve Speech and Language Services. I'm so excited for y'all to be here tonight because we've gotten to know each other online and through the START program, too. But, you know, I love to tell different types of tales of private practitioners, right, to showcase there's lots of ways to do it. And for y'all, we've got some cool things to talk about, right? Having a business partnership as part of your private practice and also this idea of multiple streams of income. But before we get to those topics, can y'all please share briefly kind of maybe how you got started in the profession and when did you start thinking about private practice? So I don't know how much time you have, but I've been doing this for 30 years. So I've gone through a lot of different kinds of things that I've done. I originally started out in the medical field and loved it. That was kind of my wheelhouse. I was a clinical dysphagia specialist for a hospital. 
And I also had pediatric outpatients and adult outpatients that I worked with, which I absolutely loved. I did that for a while until I got pregnant with twins and I wanted to be part-time, but my new director didn't want me to be part-time. So I left. And that was the first time I realized that everybody's replaceable. So we had had a contract with a school system for a child who had dysphagia. And I ended up taking that person privately when uh, my boys were really young. And then I ended up going into the schools in Massachusetts. And then my family moved to Connecticut and I worked in skilled nursing facilities and rehabs while I was trying to get my license and the, uh, the teacher uh, certification in Connecticut. Um, and then I found a job in my hometown and I stayed there for 13 years. And that's where I met Rochelle. And then I moved on to another district for five years up until this point. So I literally started private practice way back when, probably 25 years ago. And I loved it. And I've kind of dabbled in it all along. I've worked in multiple different settings, hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, early intervention, schools. When I was working in the schools is when Mindy and I met and she was my CF supervisor back then. In working in those schools, that was when I started to get into private practice via developing training. So at that point, I was getting many referrals for students for language impairments that turned out to be more executive function deficits. And so at that point, I did a lot of professional development and Mindy and I both developed a lot of coursework for other SLPs and educators at that time to say, hey, um, at that time, a lot of educators thought there's really nothing you can do. This child has ADD or this child has a trauma-based history. So that's that. And we were there to say, hey, there's a lot of cognitive strategies that's totally within our practice scope that we can offer and bring to the table to to these classrooms and to your clinical practice. So we did a lot of training. So that was sort of like stepping out as far as in a way private practice. And then also we started seeing private clients. I saw some mild traumatic brain injury clients a lot with executive functioning work. And then so I traveled to, to present those workshops and then I had another baby. So the private practice sort of took a backseat for me and I worked in the schools for, for years in between there. Um, and then this past January, I said, it's time to do my slow rollout again and get into Jenna's grill program. And I called up Mindy and said, it's time. And I want to do a slow rollout. And she, we met for coffee and she basically was already calling different buildings to get us at space. And she was like, all right, I'm here with my fast rollout. I guess that's how we sort of bounce each other off a little bit too. So yeah, we've been in this brick and mortar since May of 2022. I love that you had both like dabbled in private practice in the past, right? And I know that you you both have kids, right? And that's one of the things that's kind of interesting about private practice is it can kind of like ebb and flow, right? And there can be, you know, different seasons of life where you're kind of in one setting and, you know, everything else. But I also really love that y'all had that like educator kind of part of you too, like doing these workshops, right? Can you tell the listeners a little bit about like what that entailed? And I know it's maybe you haven't been doing that quite as much recently, but what is that like to kind of develop like, you know, some trainings and then deliver those to other professionals? Yeah, that's wonderful work, especially if it's something obviously that you're passionate about because you really have to develop that content obviously takes a lot of time and research yeah. and editing. Mm -hmm. And that is very time consuming, but assuming it's something you're passionate about, 
And then you're there working with other professionals that are there because they also want to better the lives of their, you know, their clients or their students. That is, for me, very fulfilling work. Yeah, I feel that I connected with a lot of teachers and just kind of introduced things. Even um, in my past, the job that I just left, I have teachers that have just taken that into their classroom and love it. And it's made a world of difference for her as a teacher, but also for her students to the point where, you know, as the years go on, a lot of other teachers want their students in her class because she's just has taken what we have taught her and have applied it to the classroom where it needs to be. The thing I like about that, too, is that it allows you to increase your impact, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's only so much that you can do for like the school district that you're at, for example, right? Like you can do an in-service, you can do a couple other things. But to be able to teach people at at a bigger level, you're really able, again, to increase that impact like exponentially, right? And then the other way to think about that is the impact on the individuals that you see through your private practice, right? That that's like you're going deep with like a smaller amount of people versus going wide with like a large caseload that you may be feeling like you're not able to make as much of a difference for any of those individuals. Would you say that that's kind of been what your experience has been? I think so. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff with executive function is practical. It should be embedded, right? I mean, I embed it every day into my daily practice. It's part of what I do. And teachers come to us and say, how can I do this? Or can you do this? It's not necessarily always us. It's how we can teach them to do it in the classroom better. So I think that that does happen. And we do have a bigger impact for people who are receptive to what we do. We're fortunate that we have friends through all the different workplaces that we've worked in and have gone on to other school districts and believe in what we do. So we have been, you know, invited to different districts to do this workshop, which has been great just to be able to provide that to teachers. And we have a lot of great feedback. We presented a poster in ASHA yeah. one, one year and it's work smarter, not harder. Not that we created that freeze, but that is our battle cry. <laughs> in all domains. So yeah. executive functioning included. So we definitely embed that in our strategies with our clients that we see here in the office and try to relay that to parents. So we also do some parent workshops. We do like that, like you said, to be able to go deeper with, with those, that clinical work is huge. Well, the other thing that I just was thinking about is like you, if you already have this, you know, background in this particular area, right? Like you already have basically kind of a specialty, you've done workshops, you know, people from multiple school districts, you know, et cetera, right? You've got a network, right? So now you have this private practice that you're growing, right? Like some people do it the opposite way, right? They start their private practice and then they kind of expand. But you guys, I think, have done it a really smart way where you already have a lot of potential like referral connections and like an established name and whatnot. And now you have the private practice. And I know, Rochelle, that you were interested in having like a slow rollout and Mindy wanted a fast rollout, right? And so, like, tell everyone kind of where y'all are right now in terms of your practice. So I didn't necessarily want the fast rollout. I kind of like that. Um, she, she just diagnosed me with ADHD and I'm impulsive <laughs> and I go for it. And I think that's just my nature. I'm, I think in, in general in my life and everything that I've done, I try not to wait because life is too short. We just have to do this, right? We just have to get out there and, and be happy and do what we know and do what we love. So I think that for me, the situation that happened with me with my last position 
was that I felt really guilty about leaving and I didn't want to leave, but I so wanted this, right? I love my space. I love working with Rochelle. I love what I do. I can do more here. I feel so great about what I can do here um, for my clients. And I think you've said, and I've heard it on your podcast, that there's so much more that we can give in this kind of environment and, and what we can do. And, and that's how I felt. But the guilt of an SLP, right? I'm leaving in a, in a time when there's a shortage of SLPs out there and it's hard. It's hard to leave a district that is great people, great staff, wonderful families and children. It's very difficult. And I think for me, the universe slapped me in the face and said, I think it's time when I said I'd come back part-time and do this part-time. And my boss said, no. And that was the universe saying to me, it's time for me to go. So for me, it had to be kind of a fast rollout now. Um, and I jumped into it. And so Rochelle, <laughs> so I have been part-time in a school district for five years. And I have been since my school rollout in last uh, January, I've been here the other two days of the week and there the other three days. And I, in my mind, could foresee that continuing to be an okay balance. And I just got to the point where we became so expanded here and the opportunities continued to be greater than what I could bring to the table being a fully committed three-day week at LP at a school. Um, so I sort of reached a tipping point recently where I had to step down from my school job to be here full time, which was a very difficult decision. She just made last week. Yeah, I just just very recently made it. So that's sort of been the the last six months rather quick. If you zoom out, it does it be it's hard. It's crazy to say that that it's has happened quick. somewhat quickly. Yeah. But it's because of the demand too, right? There's such demand for services, right? So there's demand in every setting, right? Like you mentioned that, you know, there's a shortage in the schools, right? There's a shortage in hospitals. There's right now there's a shortage in, you know, every single sector. But for us, I think one of the things that we're, we finally come to the point in our careers where we realize is just what you said earlier, Mindy, is that we're replaceable in these different, you know, settings. And so if we want to really have that impact on our clients, I truly believe that working for yourself and doing this through your own private practice without other limitations or other people telling you what to do or who to see or how many people to put in your caseload really is the way to have a much bigger impact on your clients. And yes, be able to also make more income for your family, which is also not something people talk about as much, but is really important for us to be able to do, right? I am at the point where I am feeling so great about opening my mouth and telling my clients how I feel and what I feel is recommended for them. Like if you need to go to an ENT, you need to go to an ENT. I love saying that. Or in the schools, you can't say that, right? You have to be really careful about what you say and do. Um, and that's hard for me professionally, especially coming from the medical background where I was and I felt free to say those things. And then I went into the schools and that was not something that was kind of frowned upon because, you know, something could happen and they'd have to pay. And that was very difficult for me. Yeah. In the same like dysphagia and feeding and swallowing, that's kind of my specialty as well. And I felt that that wasn't something that was suggested for school. And that was difficult as well for me. And now I have that. And I ended up training under Hallie Balkin for the Mayo method. And I've introduced that into my practice. And that has been fantastic. Actually, Rochelle got us a great referral and I'm loving it. I absolutely love it. I feel so great about it. I feel like I'm doing so much more than I could 
And even though I think I worked really hard in the schools and I think I did a good job, I feel that I'm just blossoming more here for sure. That's what I want to hear. Right. And that's what people say, like again and again, is that they just feel stifled in, you know, whether it's a school or a hospital, early intervention, or maybe even someone else's private practice that they're working for is that they just don't feel like they can make those decisions that they know in their heart and in their, you know, clinical mind is the best for their clients. So kudos to you guys for like making this change and for, you know, figuring out how you can have this, you know, you started with the slow rollout right over 25 years and 10 years or whatever, right? But like now you're here and it's happening and it's really exciting to see, right? It is. It is. It's very exciting. It feels good. And it, like you said about depending on the practice you're in, it's very freeing to be able to set your own boundaries and open up, you know, like limitless possibilities of different things you want to do. It gives us more time to say yes to different trainings we get asked to do. And when you are limited by a huge caseload and a lot of paperwork, you can't always do those different things that you're, you professionally kind of want to grow and do. Now, one of the other questions that I have that I'm sure some of our listeners might be wondering is, how do y'all work together as a partnership, right? Because there's, you know, some private practices have, you know, partnerships. Most people like do it solo. But tell people, like, how does the partnership aspect uh, work for you guys? So we are sole proprietors, actually. So we each have our own EIN. We, we do our own billing. We're our own EMR. I own the DBA for Achieve, but we, as Rochelle is now moving into full time, we're going to probably we made an appointment to meet a lawyer and do it a different way just to kind of solidify because we have so many things that we want to do together to grow the practice that we feel that we want to get our ducks in a row with that. We need to kind of let the dust settle a little bit and um, talk to a lawyer and see what the next steps are. But right now, I kind of enjoy this. We split the rent. We split the things that we need to, like the internet. But being a sole proprietor has really worked for us. We also have different areas of clinical interest. So right. when the referrals come in, knock on wood, so far, it's we are, uh, have good communication skills together, right? So we're uh, able to say most anything to each other. So if a referral comes in and I say... Mindy, this looks like one for you. She'll say yes or no, or if I felt like it was for me, you know, we can speak freely with each other as far as how to handle things like that. But yeah, otherwise we just split everything down the middle, right? Logistically. When the referrals come in, it really depends, right? So it's kind of like, do you want that table or do you want this table? I'll take that table. So, and I don't mean it in a bad way. What I mean is that when we look at, you know, what does your case look like? Right right now, she has been kind of holding back because she's working two jobs. And when she is full time, she's going to need to fill up her schedule. And I understand that. And we also do school contracting. So I am busy two days doing that. And Michelle already has an opportunity for that. Um, and that happened for us very quickly. And we're getting calls all the time. And we love that. But we're being very mindful of how we do that. And we kind of developed a contract for that. And we are very upfront with the districts that we're working for about what we can and cannot do. Setting boundaries for us because we're, you know, I didn't get into this to be stressed out. Again, not to say that owning your own business isn't stressful. It can be, but I don't want to overcommit. It's easy to do that. You used a really important word, which is balance, right? Because a lot of people 
get into private practice for the balance. But because we're such like helping people, people who just want to continue to help everyone, right? Sometimes we fall into bad habits in terms of just like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. And then before you know it, some of the old things that you hated about a previous job have crept in to something that you actually have control over, right? I have people think about that all the time is that, you know, when you're first starting your practice, most people kind of tend to see anyone who comes their way that they feel, you know, comfortable and competent to treat, right? And in the beginning, I think that's actually a good strategy because you want to start to build your caseload. However, as time goes on and you start to get a little bit more choosy about your time and those kind of things, right, that's really when you want to make sure that that balance is back and that you're, you know, having um, more control over your caseload and doing, you know, what you got into private practice to do. I know we're trying to build networking with other professionals. I think both of us coming from the clinical background and then the education background, we both understand the difference between both places. And I think sometimes, even when I was in the schools, you get a little defensive when you hear that, oh, they're seeing a private person or they're going to the hospital. And and they also had a little different understanding of what you do in the schools. So we, our goal is to make sure that we're bridging between us in the schools that we're working with. We are understanding where they are and we're very upfront with our clients. That's not going to happen in the schools. We understand that. I want you to know what we can provide you, but these people are busy. You know, we just were talking about a client that is receiving services in the school and privately and it's hard. And I don't think parents understand that. And I, I think that's hard for parents too, to see the difference between the difference, but we are trying to bridge that gap and we're making relationships with clinicians in the area, getting a lot of referrals from clinicians that Rochelle has known or I've known, and I'm just connecting with other new practices in the area. And we're in a very rural area, so there is no other brick and mortar private practice that we know of that we um, close sign. Yeah, there's hospital outpatient. That is really the there's other clinicians for sure, but as far as a brick and mortar practice, but we are, um, and if there's anyone listening on here, feel free to contact us because we truly are collaboration yes. over competition. We've yeah. already had multiple SLPs, you know, here to our office to just have coffee. Like this is a marathon, not a sprint. We are team spirited and this is really what we're all about. And we're all here just to help each other out and to help out those kids and to adults and teens that we see to make it a team effort to help people achieve their best outcomes. And that's why that's the name of our practice. It's a team sport. Yeah. Well, and it's really like you're filling the need, right? So even if like there's the the hospital in your area, like I know so many private practitioners who like they then are like, oh gosh, but there's a hospital in my area. Like, what am I going to do? Right. Well, the hospital in your area, listeners, probably has like a six month to a year wait list. Right. And so like maybe like people can't wait that long. Right. Like open up your practice, like see those clients, like maybe once they get the call, they'll go to the hospital, maybe. But maybe by then they'll have loved working with you and they'll say, like, I'm with them now. Right. And so I think that, you know, sometimes people limit themselves by being scared of air quotes competition, not realizing that there are so many people who need our services and really, a lot of clinicians are very collaborative, right? The days of being that like competitive, I want to keep everybody for myself, like that's the old way to do it. Today's private practitioner like shares referrals because they know that they can't help everybody and that they, it's not always the right specialties. And so they want those people to get the service that they need, whether it's their practice or somebody else, right? And I can tell that you all have that exact kind of collaborative spirit as well. 
And I think I want to give you props for keeping that vibe in your program and in your Facebook groups and everything that that's an abundance mindset. It's not a scarcity approach. There's plenty of people to be seen. And this is the way to advance ourselves um, clinically is to work together. I wanted to share my story about you, Jenna, that Rochelle had started the guide book, The Independent Clinician. Yeah, this is my very old ebook, right? I, before I had the start program, I had you guys listeners. This is like vintage information. My very first thing yeah. I ever sold, I used to sell it by the chapter before I put it into a whole book. It was crazy. This was like 2008 is when I started selling pieces oh. of that book, right? started as an ebook back when ebooks were like, you know, really popular before Kindles, you guys, like just right. a PDF ebook. Anyway, so, so Rochelle bought it way back then. And then um, now it's a much more comprehensive, super updated, much better program, the start program. But anyway. Jobby. Yeah. <laughs> so Rochelle also took that in January 2022. And that's when she got back to me and said, I think we should do this. And I'm like, okay, great. And she's like, do you listen to Jenna's podcast? And I'm like, no, I quick get out of podcast. <laughs> I hadn't listened to it. So I uh, had a long drive back and forth to work. And every morning I would listen to your podcast and listen to everyone's stories. And I would like be shocked. And I'd be like, yes, that's me. Oh my God, that's me. That's me. That's me. And then I would text Rochelle when I got to work and I'd say, my BFF Jenna said that we need to do this. And so that was that was your nickname for us because I referred to that all the time and I still listen to your podcast. And I learned so much from all the other clinicians all over the country that are doing amazing things. And it's very inspiring to us because we listen to what they say. We, we talk about maybe things that they're doing and how can we do that? Is that something that we want to do? And so it's been very inspiring, even though we've already started our private practice. Yeah. So well, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. And what a full circle moment, right? To like, you know, have been like a longtime listener and now on the show and sharing your story and inspiring other people, right? Like pat yourselves on the back. That's like a really kind of big milestone that I think a lot of people, you know, hopefully put this on their vision board or whatever to be able to be on the show. But you y'all have done it. And so I'm excited for you. It was on my vision board. I wanted to do this. I And it was actually Rochelle who, again, opened the door for the opportunity. So um, thank you, Rochelle. Yeah. Yes. I talked to Elise and then, you oh, know, the, the stars align about the girl program. Yes. Yeah. Which that will be on our radar as we continue to get our um, ducks in a row for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, y'all are ready for that, right? That's like the next level thing. The start program is really for people who are like on the side you know, they want some extra income, they want to get their ducks in a row. It really provides a really solid foundation and ability to get those first clients and get going. And lots of people just want to stay that way. And that's totally fine. But for people who are ready to grow, right, they want to hire, they want the school contracts, they want to expand their income, get systems in place, all that kind of stuff, like then moving into grow is the next step for people. And so we're be thrilled to have you all um, in that program. The next thing I wanted to ask about is, you know, back to this idea of multiple streams of income, right? And so I know, Mindy, for sure, you have some other streams of income, some other interests. Do you mind sharing some of those? I would love to share. So based on my work with Rochelle doing the executive function, I really got involved with time management. And I felt that, in my opinion, it starts with time management being better able to be a better self-manager with your time. And I found in my practice with children, that I'd walk into a classroom and the teacher would say, 
you know, in five minutes, we need to do this. And no one knew what they were talking about. So I developed clocks called the Be a Timekeeper Clock. It has a bee on the minute hand and a snail on the hour hand because bees move faster than snails. And little critters along on an analog clock so that children can understand to see and seal the passage of time. And so I developed it. I drew the artwork. I have a copyright and a provisional pattern on the educational method. And I even have a trademark on Be a Timekeeper. And I put all that together and I sell it on Etsy. And I've had a lot of great reviews on Etsy, as well as getting a lot of referrals from local schools, different teachers that have worked with me and used it. And then they use it in their school. And then all of a sudden, I'm there doing a workshop on how to use the clock and then how to apply it to children. And then they're buying multiple clocks for the school, which is really exciting. I actually sold like 20 clocks to a school in Washington State um, and shipped them out to them. So that is another stream of income that that is um, something that I do. And being in a private practice now, it gives me a little bit more opportunity to have the time to do this because it's a one woman show. Yeah, she's always making clocks. So um, yeah, and I've, I've like reached out to other manufacturers, toy companies and things like that to kind of partner. So that's another thing that I've been kind of working on the side with. And to be honest with you, the reason why I was doing all this is because I wanted out of the schools. I didn't want to be working in the schools anymore. I wanted something else to get me to that next level. Um, so now I feel that it's an asset and it's not my primary reason for doing it. It's what I love to do. So it's been very exciting to to be able to provide this to school systems and to teachers. And to it's a wonderful tool. Yeah, I use it in my clinical practice. Many of my clients' parents have. Yes, at home. It's a great tool. You can find it on Etsy. Be a typekeeper. <laughs> So that's one awesome thing. Well, you guys have had several awesome things. Then there's another pretty cool thing that's coming out too. Yeah. So um, as part of my training with time, I would say to the kids, don't let the time snatcher snatch your time, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Be a timekeeper. Don't let the time snatcher snatch your time. So I created a children's book about watch out for the time snatcher. And I had joined the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. I joined that and went to some workshops and found some amazing authors that I connected with online and were really good mentors to me. And they had encouraged me to do this. So I submitted it to a lot of regular traditional publishers and everybody said, great idea. I have a time snatcher in my midst as well, but no one ever did it. So then I was on an email from Asha and I saw that Asha Press was doing children's books. And I thought, I have a file here. I'm just going to send it to them. So I sent it to them and they got back to me and said, well, we like the concept, but would you be interested in writing it into a graphic novel? And of course I said, yes. So that was the fall of 2019. And now my book, Cody's Adventures, How I Learned to Defeat the Time Snatcher, is a graphic novel for middle school, I would say third grades to seventh grade. And then um, it will be available at ASHA convention in the the, uh, ASHA store for sale. And then the rollout to the regular public is in January, in the beginning of January. So I'm very excited. It's very exciting time, as you know, to be a writer. An author is really exciting. I actually got the bug for writing back when my boys were born. I had twins at home and I started writing a little 
how to stimulate language in infants. And that led me to meet a woman, Alisa Schmidt, who owned iParenting at the time, which was a parenting source, which I was looking to find out, you know, I'm a new mom of twins. What do I do? And she invited me to be a speech and language expert advisor for iParenting, which led me to work for Disney with her and which led me to work with her now with 30 Seconds. And she has been a huge mentor to me. I mean, she's kind of been the one that has shown me how to be a networker and open up doors and don't be afraid. Like, do what you have to do. Use your grit, be your authentic self, be a maker. And she actually wrote a book, Become the Fire, that is, I was just telling Rochelle, she has to read it because it is amazing. And it's about women and entrepreneurship and just going out there. So she has just been, has inspired me and is always on my team. And I'm always on her. So I'm really excited about everything that I'm doing. And it's been a really good year. Well, like we should all be excited about what we're doing, right? Like, I think that that's one of the things that I just get the sense that there's so many, especially SLPs and, and OTs are part of my, you know, programs and everything too. But just people aren't excited right now, right? People are really feeling like they're just like kind of slogging through their days. They've got these huge caseloads. They're just not feeling like they're making the difference that they got into this field to be able to make, right? So I love hearing that y'all have found many ways, actually, to make a difference in the lives of, you know, the kids that you serve, the parents, the teachers, and other people in the lives of these kids and adults who need help, right? So like, how amazing is it that also that your lives, you know, intersected and you both had like, you know, part time or whatever, you had other jobs, but you've made this private practice work and it's working and it's growing. And I'm just so excited. So tell everyone like kind of what's next for your practice over the next, let's say, six months. So over the next six months, we hope to continue to expand in the sense that we hope to add to our team, honestly, because the need is there and we hate to say no. And there's also a lot of really talented clinicians and we want to be able to free up some of our time as well to continue to do more trainings and kind of develop some products that we have more ideas for and that are needed out there. And the sky's the limit on that. And that's one of the main reasons to hire, right? There's only so many hours in the day when you're a, you know, a solo private practitioner, even if you have two of you, right, there's still only so many hours. And if you have more referrals than that, or if you have other things that you want to be able to do, it's important to have, you know, someone to take those cases. Otherwise, you're going to end up with the same problem at the hospital, right, with with the wait list and not able to serve the people, right? So I think that that's a really great strategy is to already be thinking like, listen, we're going to need to hire sooner than later. And I can tell that you guys have really strong, like, you know, values and the way that you want to run your practice. Like you're going to attract the right type of person to your practice who like also wants to, you know, squash the time snatcher and like all this other stuff, right? Like, I think it's going to be really cool to watch how y'all end up growing your practice. I think it's going to be fantastic. So can y'all share with our listeners who might want to connect with you social media accounts or websites or whatever that they can look at to learn more about you all. Okay. Um, so we have AchieveCTSLP.com is our website. For me, I have at Mindy Hudon and at Be a Timekeeper on Instagram and Mindy Hudon author on Facebook. Or we also have an Instagram. Oh, we do. Achieve account. So it's AchieveCT, all one word, underscore SLP. That's Instagram. 
Um, and we're also on Facebook. Achieve CTSLP. Facebook. But yeah, our website's kind of a good landing spot for anybody that wants to get in touch with us. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'm sure that, you know, just like you were inspired by the podcast, right? I think that, you know, you have probably also inspired lots of people. So listeners, if you have, you know, any questions or if you just want to, you know, find out more information about Mindy's book or any of these kind of things, like, please, like, um, the guests who come on the show are often very gracious and are so happy that people listen and were inspired by their stories. So, so reach out and tell them hello and that you are listening. But as always, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, sharing your story. And I can't wait to watch what happens next with your practice. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks Jenna. for having us. We appreciate it. You're so welcome. Don't you just love Mindy and Rochelle? I think they're so much fun and have great energy. And I love that they've been wanting to do this for a while. And they know that there are children in their area who need what they have to offer. They also touched on paid presentations, writing books, and selling goods, which are other ways to make additional income through your practice and have a bigger impact on those around you. In terms of starting your own private practice, whether you want to do a slow rollout like Rachelle or a fast rollout like Mindy, we can help. To learn more about how we support SLPs and OTs at all levels of the private practice journey, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Till then. While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independentclinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.